All right, turning your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's pray together. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the good thing that you're doing. God, I thank you for this desperation family. I thank you, Lord God, for young men and women that are going out all over the nation committed to pouring out their lives for the cause of Christ. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would strengthen us. We ask that your word would come alive to us. We ask that we would live out what we've been declaring and singing and saying. We want our lives to demonstrate it. We love you, Jesus. Amen. In 2008, we took DLA to Africa. And while we were in Africa, I began to read a little bit about David Livingston. And David Livingston was a missionary in the 1900s and 19th century. David Livingston was born in Scotland. He then went from, uh, was in England and then he moved to Africa to try to reach Africa for the cause of Christ. David Livingston became a very famous missionary in his day. He was radically committed to pouring out his life on behalf of the people in Africa coming to know Jesus. And so he spent most of his life there. And as he approached death, as he got down towards the end, he eventually would go back and forth and he went back to England and people knew who he was and yet he was committed to Africa, but he kind of became a famous figure. People really knew who he was. And then when he died, that created a little controversy where the people in England wanted him to be buried in England and the people in Africa wanted him to be buried in Africa. And it turned out that he was going to be buried in England and So he was in Africa and his dead body was in Africa and the the Africans, they said, you can't, you can't take him. He's poured out his life for us. He's, he's changed us because he was not only committed to their spiritual life, but he was, he he helped them in so many ways and being a doctor and they loved him. They loved the way he, he had poured out his life for them. And so instead of just giving his body to them at the shore, to sail off and have him be buried in England. They actually gently cut out his heart and they buried it in the soil of Africa. And they said, you may take his body, but his heart belongs here in Africa. And as they took his body all the way to England, and he was to be, have a, a, a memorial service in, the West, in Westminster Chapel, brought him out of the chapel and they were going to bear, they're going to have him be buried. But there was this people lining the streets and this old man was standing in the street and he was just weeping as they brought David Livingston's body by. Just sobbing. So it's a famous story that the man next to him said, why are you crying? You must've been family. You must've been a close friend of David Livingston's. The old man replied, I do not weep for Livingston. I weep for myself. For David Livingston poured out his life for a cause and I have lived for nothing. So David Livingston gave everything he had for the people of Africa to know Jesus. And at the end of his life, he said, and I... Me, I've lived for nothing. 
In 2 Timothy, we read the very last chapter of what we have recorded of Paul's writings. And Paul's been one who's lived for Jesus. He's been one that's given everything and he uses this language of giving everything. I was was just reading this on Saturday and I just began to just weep as I read this one phrase. It says, for I'm already being poured out, verse six, 2 Timothy 4, verse six. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. So here's Paul. He's writing to young Timothy. He's in a Roman prison. And he knows his time is short. He's about to face death. And he's writing to a young Timothy who's pastoring a church. When he talks about his life, when he looks back and he kind of tivos his life and he remembers what his life has been like, he uses this language. I've poured out my life like a drink offering. We don't use that terminology, drink offering. I want to explain it to you. A drink offering in the Old Testament. When they would come and have a sacrifice in the Old Testament, it was a sacrifice unto God. They would sacrifice a lamb or an animal. And there were mandatory offerings that they did to look to God and say, God, I want right relationship with you. So they would make a sacrifice. And of course, we know Jesus became our sacrifice but these were mandatory offerings. But there was this thing called a drink offering. And the drink offering was a free will offering. It was voluntary. Only if you didn't have to. But people would take a, take a, a glass of wine. And in the middle of the sacrifice, while the sacrifice was burning, they would pour out a glass of wine, which meant a lot to them. It wasn't a small thing. It was something that they wanted, a glass of wine. And they poured out and quickly the drink offering just sizzled away. It just went quickly. Just wine in the fire, gone quickly. Unlike the other sacrifices stayed a long time. And so when Paul is writing this, he's going, my life is just a mere breath. It's just, it's just quick. It's just a drink offering. It's a free will, voluntary offering. It's just, it's just something that I, I want to give. I want to give my life as a free will offering. I want to voluntarily give it, give it to God. And he's coming down towards the end of his life. And that's the way that he explains it. When he looks at his life, it's a free will drink offering. It's gone quickly. But out of the excellencies of Jesus, I, I, I want to pour out my life. You and I, we've been worshiping here and we've been dancing and we've been praying together and we've been seeking God together. And my prayer is that over this next year, that you, like Paul, just next year, would be able to look back at this last year and say, I poured it out. I gave everything. I gave all that I had. And I think one of the places to start for high school and junior high students is pouring out your reputation. Pour out your reputation, number one. Pour it out. When we look at the life of Paul, Paul was someone who was a persecutor of Christians. Paul was someone who was one of the best of the best at what he did. And in Acts chapter nine, he's on his way to Damascus. He's knocked off his donkey. Jesus appears to him brighter than the sun is what it says. And Jesus appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul suddenly turns and he goes from being one who had one group of friends persecuting the church 
to following Jesus and really developing a whole new social life. Many of you, that's been your encounter. This week, you said, I'm gonna give everything to Jesus. And as you go back, the temptation will be for you to care so much about what people think of you. And yet Paul, if we study Paul and we look at Paul, he goes, I don't, I don't care what I, what I used to be. He's writing to the church, Philippi, he says this, Philippians chapter three, verse four, he says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. So he's talking about his high credentials. As for zeal, persecuting the church, which in this context, he's saying that was like someone who was on top, not just tolerating the church, but he was one who persecuted the church. And so the one that's opposing Christians on a different side. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Then the epic statement that we love so much. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever I had, whatever was my former reputation, whatever I used to kind of prop myself up on and believe that I was excellent because of those things, I consider loss. Some of you have a lot of different platforms that you stand on, different props that make you feel good about yourself. And that's, they've been something that even your identity has been wrapped up in, in your relationships, sports teams, hobbies, drugs, partying, social groups. And that's a part of your past. That's who you were. And as you've come here and encountered God for three days and you've sought God, you're going back. And there's going to be the temptation to keep your reputation, to just let a little bit of what Jesus has done in me be let out. And yet what we find Paul saying, he goes, whatever I was, whatever my former props were, my former gains, my former things that built identity in me, even the relationships, I count as loss. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. And we find Paul literally having a whole new social group. Instead of hanging out with the Pharisees, the people he used to hang out with and persecuting the church. He goes in and he meets a guy named Ananias. Ananias prays for him. Fish scales fall out. And he turns into this radical Christian. And he goes and he tries to build the church that he once tried to persecute. He's got a whole, I mean, it's guys on the opposite team. And so his encounter with Jesus, meeting Jesus, led him to embrace the awkwardness of developing new relationships. Jeannie said when she was here, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. As you go back, one of the things that you're going to be tempted to hold on to is your reputation and trying to be cool. It's what exists in our youth culture. See me, notice me, love me. Don't you want to be me? Please, here, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll wear however tight of jeans I have to wear for you to like me. I'll have my hair go whichever direction you want it to be. I'll wear the clothes. I'll listen to the music. But I want to be accepted. And as you go back, one of the largest challenges for you will be to stand 
and your identity as a Christ follower and develop relationships. I like to call them marvelous comrades that will help you contend for the faith. That will help you do and be what God's called you to be. And that means relationships looking different. That means you going back and you go, well, this, the, this group of people, this, you know, this group of friends, this thing I used to do, this sport, all these ways that I used to find my idea, I count them lost compared to the surpassing greatness of God. And I'm going to pour out I'm going to get rid. My reputation is no longer my reputation. I'm, I'm in this thing for Jesus. I, I want Jesus' reputation to be big, not my reputation to be big. And it's an, a completely different way of thinking. And as you go back, the challenge will be for you to pour out your life, pour out your reputation, spill it on Jesus. Spill it on the kingdom. There's a guy, 16 years old. His name was William Borden, lived in 1904. When he was 16 years old, he finished high school. And uh, his parents were wealthy. If you've ever heard of Borden Milk, Borden Dairy, he's a part of that family. So he had a high inheritance. He was part of a wealthy family. And his parents decided that as a graduation gift, they were going to give their wealthy son a trip around the world just so that he could experience the world. But what happened was while William Borden was traveling around the world at age 16, he fell in love with the people of the world that didn't know Jesus. And he saw brokenness all over the planet. And he made a decision that he was gonna go and take his life and be a missionary. And when he returned home, he began to tell his friends and his 16 year old friends said, why are you going to waste your life? The actual language is, they said, why will you throw away your life as a missionary? And the 16 year old, just before he went off to Yale, got out his Bible and in the back of his Bible, he wrote down no reserves in the back of his Bible. And that meant my dad, my family's wealthy. I'm gonna do what Jesus has called me to do. And I'm not gonna live on anything else, any other dollars. I'm not gonna gonna go that route. I'm going the route that Jesus has called me to go. As a way of, look, his very friend saying, you're throwing away your life. He goes, no reserves. 16 year old, wrote it in his Bible. Goes off to Yale University. His freshman year, He begins prayer meetings on his campus. And as a freshman, he rallies 150 college students to pray, to cry out to God, knowing that the way that mission takes place is when the people of God begin to pray, cried out to God. By his senior year, 1,000 of the 1,300 students that attended Yale University were in prayer meetings, crying out to God, asking for God to move. He finished Yale University and as he was about to leave, to get on a boat, to go overseas, to give his life as a missionary, he wrote in the back of the same Bible, no retreats. To retreat means to go back. He wrote, no retreat, I'm not going back, not giving up. The vision that Jesus gave me when I was 16 years old for the nations 
to know God. I've got money at home. I'm not, no reserves. I don't want, I, I want to do what Jesus called me to do. That for him Whatever was to my gain, I consider loss compared to doing what Jesus called me to do, the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. He went off, became a missionary. At age 25, he got a disease. Died in Egypt. Dead at 25. Famous William Borden. Because of his years at Yale, he became a well-known figure. His parents received all of his stuff, got shipped back in the mail. They opened up his Bible. In the Bible, dated, 16, no reserves. Going off to school, to college. Spending college years crying out to God in prayer. Going off to be a missionary dated, no retreats. And then in his Bible, dated only a few days before his death, undoubtedly aware that death was knocking on his door. A 25-year-old given his life for Jesus, the cause of Christ around the world, wrote, no regrets. No reserves. Not depending on what my dad has for me. No retreats. I'm not going back. And now I'm about to lose my life. No regrets. 16 year old ended up giving his life for the gospel, but at age 16. Dies at 25, giving his life, but at age 16. You're going to throw your life away? You're going to waste it. You'll hear it. You're going to hear this. I'm talking, I'm talking pouring out your life for Jesus. I'm not talking about campers like I talked about the first night. If you, if you live as a camper, everybody loves a camper. Campers are no problem. Campers are accepted in the world. Campers are accepted in church. Everybody loves a camper. They're not dangerous to the world. They fit in church. There's going to be no problem for the campers. But for the ascenders, for those who are pouring out their life, I promise you, just like William Borden, there'll be people that say, why? Why give yourself in such an extravagant way? Why are you throwing your life away? And for you, it might not look like uh, overseas missions, but it might look like getting up early in the morning. It might look like fasting. It might be giving your dollars away. So that people around the world can take the gospel to other people. It might be working at Red Robin and giving your tips away to help orphans. It might be getting up early to memorize the scriptures. It might be looking at your friends and telling them about Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever you choose to do, I promise you, there'll be people that'll look at you and say, this is a waste. Why throw your life away on this man, Jesus? And you go, no, surely not. No, in American culture. You'll be surprised the bumps along the way as people want to slow you down. You will have trouble. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. In this life, you will have trouble. You'll have trouble from the enemy. You'll have trouble from people that don't understand you. You're going to live 
as one, like Paul, pouring out his life and just the way that they mistreated Paul, just the way that Paul was beaten and whipped, stoned and drugged out of a city, left for dead. They didn't understand him. And you go, David, no, no, no. We live 21st century, posh, good life, suburban America. You know that what I'm saying is true. You know that the moment that you become aggressive on your high school campus, on the things of God, radical pursuit of God, misunderstandings take place, frustrations take place. And surely, as they looked at a 16-year-old in 1904, they look at a 16-year-old in 2012. Throwing your life away on Jesus. Live for something better. Live for the love, the lust of the age. Live for the pleasures of the planet. Live for what we're living for. Sing the songs we're singing. Wear the clothes we're wearing. Be about the things we're about. Just fit in. Paul lost friends. William Borden lost friends. And I'm telling you, as you walk into this, you'd be surprised. You say, David, that's so sad. I'm, t- I'm preparing you. Because for three days, we've said, let's give everything to God. We should, I mean, we've had hands raised. Our promise is Jesus. Our future is Jesus. And we're singing this word, A-L-L, all, all to him. We're declaring it. We're saying it over and over again. What happens what happens when you give all? It's, it's not a mystery. We can look at the scriptures. We can look at your church history. When you give all, when you pour out everything, when you give it all, I promise you this, people are not gonna understand you. That's what it means to be a Christ follower on the planet. Christian, the Christians have never been understood. We're kind of like resident aliens living on the planet. You're, you're going to be not understood as you go back. And that's why it's got to be these things that we talked about, about prayer today and about knowing God. These have got to go deep within you because I promise you, social conflict is coming. And if you're not grounded in this, you will bow out so quickly. Just because the people around you are jumping up and down and singing these songs here. And we got youth groups from across the country. You're still going back to the same environment. And you want to live poured out unto God there. Be prepared. Be ready. Pour out your future. Your future. I want to read out of Matthew 26. Verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper... A woman came to him with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her.
So here's this woman, expensive alabaster that she pours out. Most scholars think this was her inheritance. This is what she had to live on. And she pours it out. While while everybody else isn't quite understanding, Jesus has said over and over again, I'm going to die. I'm going to the cross. And, And she gets it. There's not a whole lot of understanding in the room, but this woman, Mary, she gets it. She understands the worth of who he is. What Brandon was jumping up and down and singing a minute ago, the worthy lamb. She got, okay, he's the worthy one. He is Jesus. And so she goes and she takes her future, her inheritance. She breaks it over the feet of Jesus. And you see the response, not of non-Christians, not of Pharisees, not of partiers, of disciples. Disciples, we're talking the boys that have been with Jesus. They can't understand it. And they go, why this waste? Why? Why waste it? And you see what Jesus says? He goes, yeah, yeah, you're right. Lady, you're crazy. What are you doing? No. I love this. Can you imagine this moment? She's broken Alabaster on his feet, disciples sitting around. Disciples say, why this waste? The woman, embarrassed. And the response of Jesus. Everybody waits. What's he going to say? How will Jesus respond? Jesus dignifies what she's done. He says, this is beautiful to me. She's preparing me for burial. I've been telling you guys I'm going to die. She understands it. She recognizes who I am. And I love this. And then he says, he says, and you guys, you guys have been walking with me and talking with me and you've been my boys for the last few years and we've done a life together. And yet what she has done will not be forgotten. 10 million sermons have been spoken of, songs about this woman who broke the alabaster on Jesus' feet named Mary. You've heard, you've heard so many sermons about it. And yet how many of you could say the names of all the disciples? You know, Thaddeus, forget some of them, right? Jesus goes, hey, all you guys, she's going to be remembered. What she did, it's going to be remembered. It's recorded in all four gospels. Matthew got it, Mark got it, Luke got it, John got it. Went down in the Bible, turned out to be a bestseller. And her story in it four times. Jesus says, that's beautiful. And what Jesus says was beautiful. Disciples called a waste. As you follow Jesus, I want you to be ready. People will not understand you. As you give extravagantly, as you save money to go on missions trips, those of you this afternoon that committed to lead a prayer meeting every day on your campus, get ready. Get ready. People look at you and they go, Why this waste? Why this waste? You could get more sleep. 
Why, why spend your money in such a way you could have better clothes, you could hang out with us, you could party with us, you could be better. You could have all these other things. And yet the narrow road, the narrow road is the one I'll travel on. We've been singing it. We've been wearing the yellow t-shirt. The narrow road will require you to be misunderstood. I beg of you to get this. I beg of you to know that as you give extravagantly to be a disciple of Jesus, to give everything that you have to him, you're gonna be misunderstood as you pour out your future. The American way, the American way says, live selfishly for the future, prepare in fear for the future. And some of you, as you commit to give your lives to help the poor, as you give your lives to maybe be in an occupation where you make a lot of money, but you give away 70% of it, the world will not understand you. And isn't that what we're talking about? I mean, we're not, we're not coming here and just doing a dance and getting excited and singing all to him. My future is Jesus. Our future is Jesus, but we're going to live like everybody else. No, isn't this what we're talking about? Isn't what we're talking about how it actually plays out in the way that we live? future is Jesus. Be ready. Be ready to be misunderstood. As you pour out your life, I can promise you, you're going to be surprised how many people don't understand. C.T. Studd, very cool name, missionary to China. C.T. Studd is also Part of a wealthy family. Went to Cambridge University. Decided to give his life. Went to China. While he was in China, his father died. Left to him a huge inheritance. While he was overseas. Fulfilling the mandate that God had on his life. So it came to his attention. He now has a huge inheritance back in the States. Lots of money. And he took the money, he gave all of, his, all, the money that he, all of his inheritance, and he gave it to reaching China. Just gave it away. And, no, it's okay, it's all right, you don't have to clap, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, just talking slow, it's okay. I talk fast a lot, sometimes I slow down. He gave it away. And at the end of his life, he said, his prayer, said, the reason why I gave everything away, my future always was Jesus. My whole life, everything I'm looking forward to is the moment that I see him. And C.T. Studd is knowing for saying this, when I see Jesus, I want to be the rich young ruler that said yes. The rich young ruler was the one that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to follow you? Jesus said, go and sell all you have to the rich man. Come and follow me. Of course, you know the story. The Bible says that he left sad because he had great wealth. C.T. Studd. And you know, C.T. Studd had everything going for him. I mean, he was an athlete. He was a scholar. His name was Stud. 
He could have he gone home, lived a good life. I was talking yesterday here at Desperation to a guy who's a missionary, works in a missions organization. I said, what does radical Christianity look like today? I was like, what? I mean, so I'm wrestling with all these people that gave their lives, you know. I just don't see it like what I read about. And he said, I think that radical Christianity starts with people where they're at. Giving up as much as they can to give dollars for the evangelization of the world. It starts with voluntary sacrifice. Sometimes you think, David, telling missionary stories, got all these ideas. I don't know how to be radical. I can tell you how. Start right here, right now, this year. Pour out your life this year. I'm not asking you to end your life like Paul. I've poured out my life like a drink offering. My challenge for you tonight is to pour out this year like a drink offering. One year. Pour out this next year, your sophomore year, your junior year. Pour out this life, this one year right now. See, the the question is not if you should pour out your life. The question is not if you should spend yourself It's not, should I pour out my life? Every single one of us pours out our lives. The question is, what will you pour out your life on? What will you spend your life on? All of us are pouring out our lives for something. Could be our own name, our fame, fun, a good time, living the good life getting home to play Wii and eat pizza? I don't know. You're you're gonna spend your life on something. You're gonna waste your life on something. The disciples that looked at the woman who broke the alabaster jar, Jesus' feet, said she had wasted it, and it was true. She had wasted it on the king of all kings, on the one who she's gonna stand before one day, on the worthy lamb that's highly exalted. And the world goes, you're wasting it. I'm spending it. I spend it freely. I spend myself on behalf of the worthy lamb. And I wanna challenge you guys, pour out your life now. Now. Pour out what you have now. Your affections, time, your dollars, your life. Pour it out. Now, one more story. Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, 
all. We say that word? All. Say all. Now let's, let's, let's say the name of the theme of the conference this year that we've been singing over and over again. All to him. All. Say all to him. All. All to him. All. All, all. All to him. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. This is it. All she had to live on. All she had. Here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus is sitting there with his boys. He's watching at the temple treasury and people are coming up. They're putting their coins in and they're putting in an abundance. They're putting in a lot and Jesus isn't moved. He's just sitting there. And then all of a sudden something gets his attention. This woman gives everything. Two cents. We're not talking much. She didn't have much. She gave a little. When you look at the actual amount that she gave, she gave hardly anything to the temple treasury. And yet, that was what moved the heart of the king of kings, of the judge who will judge all nations. The one that we live for, the one that we sing, all to him, all to him, we owe everything. That guy. That worthy lamb, that Jesus got excited about her. He's got enthusiasm about what someone gave. And it had nothing to do with amounts. Many of you guys are like, I just want to give a lot. I want to give, I want to give my years and I want to, one day I want to be a medical missionary or one day I want to, whatever is the thing, I want to lead a revival or I'm going to be a pastor of a church or whatever is the thing. And in your head, you're thinking about the amount. I want you to think about How much you're giving right now. The fraction of what you've got now. Because you go, I've only got two cents, man. I'm 14. I got braces, a mullet. No one likes me. I make straight D's. I'm addicted to Super Mario Brothers Wii. I've got issues. I've got three personalities. And so you're thinking about what you can be one day. Listen, you can be braces, mullet, addicted to wee, crazy, a bit psychotic, multiple personalities, screaming at awkward moments in the sermon when you're not supposed to scream. You can be that person, just like the widow, and the response in the heart of Jesus when he sees someone who goes, look at that, look at that. He, he's given me everything. He's 14, he's a little crazy. What he has isn't much yet. All he did was go from addiction to we to addiction to his Bible. Hasn't accomplished much yet, but he gave everything. He's given it now. He's given, he's not given me a fraction. He's given me all. And the heart of Jesus goes, I love that guy. I'm 
talking in junior high. I'm talking in high school. Well, I don't know what it looks like, but these were some pretty good ideas. Preston today, I think turning your closet into a prayer room is rock star. I think that's a great start. I think that's a way of saying, I don't know what all looks like, God, I don't, I, but I, I, know, I want you to know that you have all of me. You have my whole heart, so I'm going to give what I can. I think that's now. That's not David Livingston in Africa, heart pulled out, buried in Africa, epic story, people weeping. That's not that yet. But don't write off the David Livingston story because you're 16. Start with the prayer room in your big old house. Pull out all the skinny jeans and build a prayer room. Do something. Your 59 fitty hats. Do you like that, Ty? Your, whatever it is. Go to your school. What does is, what is all look like on your school? What does all look like this year? Now, could it look like leading prayer meetings? Could it look like fasting? I think that could be all. I think Jesus could go, I love that. He's given all. We can give all now. That's what's crazy. Here's the thing. All isn't perfection. All is the heart. All isn't perfection. All is God. I may be weak and broken, but take all. And you see, whenever all, whenever you've got all to him going, when you've got really all, I mean, everything is all to him. When it's all, my promise is Jesus. My future is Jesus. Our hope is Jesus. All to him. When that's in there, when it's really all, you start to see little things just pop out, like turning closets into prayer rooms, like starting prayer meetings on campuses. Why? Because all, I've given all that I have to live on. Everything is all to him. It's all to Jesus. When that is in you, when that all takes place, it's the number one thing that moves the heart of God. And you watch little stories start to just come out. Don't think I want a cool story. So I'm going to use Jesus as my means to my end. And my end is a cool story. No, our end is Jesus. Our means is Jesus. The bridge to get there is Jesus. Jesus is our everything. And you watch, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things just start popping out. God stories, miraculous stories. Preston Coles had no idea that I would take his story and puff it up and put it on a stage and tell thousands of people about it. He just sitting by himself with a journal got excited about God and said, what do I do, God? What do you want me to do? Had an idea. You know, when you're alone with God, that's where ideas start to come. You'll be surprised. Little Holy Spirit ideas start to pop in your mind and it's God giving you revelation. It's just little tiny stuff. You just write it down. Don't have the goal of, I want a cool story. But you give all to Jesus. You give all to him. You watch. You start to see his work within you. And outside of you, God starts to do stuff. I mean, I mean, if you take even the story of Ben, I mean, Ben, I was nice today in the 11 o'clock session. Ben was a jacked up kid. I mean, messed up. And he just said, I'm giving all. I'm giving all. 
in this year? Seen people healed through his prayers? Led Hindus in Trinidad to Jesus? It didn't start with a story. It just started with, I just am like this little widow. I've got two cents. But Jesus, that's all you want. What's your two cents? What do you got? What do you got to give? How can you give all? Jesus isn't into fractions. Jesus hates fractions. God, I'll give you a fourth. God, I'll give you one eighth. God, I'll give you seven eighths. He goes, all or nothing. It's all or nothing. I want everything. And we sing it. Giving everything to God. I'm giving everything to God. I'm giving everything to God. All to him. All to him. A.W. Tozer says, Christians don't tell lies. They sing them. Our temptation. I've given everything. Everything but my friends, my addictions, my future. I'm going to worry about that. My girlfriend. So when I say all God, what I mean is I'll sing the song and I'll go to church. But that, my friends, will cause us to end up just like the generations that have gone before us that end up backslidden, hurt by God. Because they didn't know who he really was. They lived a false religion. All, you give all, you give everything. You watch, your heart comes alive. You go, David, I don't know if I can do all. I don't know if I can do all. I got good news for you. You can't on your own. But you know what Jesus did? Imagine the moment where he looks at 12 guys that had actually denied him. 11 of them had denied him. I mean, we always give Peter a bad rap, but they all ran away. They all left him. They may not have verbally said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him, but they ran away in the moment where he was going to the cross. And Jesus looked at these guys, dies on the cross, Raises from the dead. And right before he ascends into heaven, he looks at him and he goes, this incredible promise that I want you to get. Because the same promise that he gave them, he gives to us. Looks at his boys. And they're not perfect. Looks at Thomas. Thomas, lock eyes with me. Don't doubt what I'm saying. Pay attention. Matthew, put your money down. I want you to hear this. It's called the Great Commission. You need to know this one. I want you to write it down one day. Guys, look at me. Pay attention. Peter, shut up for a second. (laughs) John, get your head off my chest for a minute. Pay attention. Sorry, if you're a new Christian, this is like church jokes right there. You're like, what's with that guy? Jesus gives this promise. Listen to this. Because this promise that he gave them is true for us. He says, go into all the world, 
make disciples of all nations. Well, can you imagine being like Thomas right there, the guy known for doubting? (laughs) Go into the world, the whole world, go into the world, make disciples of all nations. Doubt it. Go into all the world, make disciples, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he gives them a promise. And surely I am with you to the end of time. That promise has lived on in the church for a couple thousand years. Jesus is with his disciples. And when you set and given all, you can take that promise. He's with you. That's all you need. He's with me. I can give all if he's with me. I might be broken. I might be weak. I might be addicted to we and wear girl pants. But if he is with me, if, if he is with me, if he is with me, then I can give everything. If he is with me, then I can make a measurable impact in my school. If he is with me, him, Christ, God, Holy Spirit inside of me, he is with me. He'll be, there's a promise. He's with you. And just like Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. I need your presence more than anything. We need his presence more than anything. And you have the promise, like the promise for Moses, like the promise on the disciples. It's for the church today. It's the promise for you. As you go into this next year, if you go, I'm giving all to him. I'm giving everything to him. I'm going to pour out my life to him. You have this promise. He's with you. He's with you. Will you stand with me?